This meeting is being recorded. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Edna White, your, your host for Keeping It Real on Purpose. This is going to be a panel discussion today on some taboo subjects, especially about the systemic racism of social work. I know that we all need social work, but today I have an amazing guest and we have some participants here as well, but we have an amazing guest that's gonna talk about the systemic racism and mostly her thoughts on how that she maneuvers the system to be a great help to her community. Welcome, Tasha Wilson. Oh, and here comes Mary All. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, Tasha. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you so much for creating this space. Looking forward to sharing my thoughts. <laughs> Great. I am so excited about that. And Mary Hall, who is another speaker, just came in. Um, say, uh, Mary, just um, just say hello to Tasha because you're going to be, you know, answering questions with her. Hello, everyone. Pleasure to be here. Oh, okay. So you know this is a really taboo subject. So um, I have my cards with the questions and we know that we're going to go around go around and talk about the questions but share you know really share with the audience what's really going on out there because you all are grassroots you're on the ground you're digging you're getting all the information so i really would like for you know to be a, a, um, a substantive conversation so i'm going to start with the first question um and it's all about social work so I need you to introduce introduce yourselves and what you do and, and what area of social work you're in. So each of each one of you, if you can start with Tasha um, and just share what um, part of uh, social work you're in. All right. Um, so currently I am working at a university in the um, institutional equity department. I primarily focus on Title IX cases. Um, hate bias discrimination every now and then, but my major focus is Title IX. So um, although I hold the space where I serve as um, a case manager, mm -hmm. there are often times where I'm actually investigating um, the things okay. that come to our office uh, involving students, faculty, and staff. So I'm the only person with the mental health background in our office yeah. and I am responsible for a population of um, over 3,000. So. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So explain to us what Title IX is because, you know, again, we're not social workers, so yes. I want to know what Title IX is. <laughs> so Title IX is uh, sexual assault, sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, um, dating violence, all the things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 3,000. Oh, oh. Mm -hmm. You so got to have your child. This topic is very relevant right now. <laughs> oh, you got to you gotta have your job. Applaud you right, right now, my lady. I applaud you. I applaud you because that's a lot of work. Thank you for doing that. Mary Hall, introduce yourself and your area of expertise, please. So I'm Mary Hall. My um, area of expertise is. Um, racism, trauma, and recovery, inclusion, and diversity, and drug and alcohol co-occurring disorders. I currently work at um, a college and university, and I am the focus counselor for those who are black and brown and suffering from any of those areas that I just named. Ooh, that's heavy too. That's really heavy. So thank you again, my ladies. Beautiful jobs that you're doing. Thank you for doing what you do. Um, so with the first question, what does a, a black social worker Im, impact? How does it, let me see, how does being a black social worker impact your personal life, the pros and the cons? We'll start with Mary first. So um, pros and cons, we have to be very self-aware of who we are. We have to constantly be checking ourselves, assessing ourselves, talking and um, relating to our colleagues who understand what we're going through. Because when we're treating other people, we could cause them to either grow or fail. Mm. And um, when we are in charge of 
empowering and healing, um, we constantly have to check ourselves and make sure that we are doing the right thing, that we are actually getting help and, and talking to our colleagues and not carrying all this home because that can always impact what we say, what we do and how we think about mm. things. So we could cause um, a person to grow and we can cause a person to practically die if we don't watch ourselves and be mm -hmm. careful. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we see something happen, we relate to us, like this could be us or this is one of us or that story we've heard before. Okay. So we have to okay. be very, very careful to separate that and know how to separate it and know when we have to step away because we're in, we're in the eye of the storm too. Mm -hmm. We're not just out there looking in. We've been in the eye of the storm and we're standing in the eye of the storm. So we have to be careful what we do at all times. And it is very, very difficult because sometimes we can find ourselves thinking about us and, and relating and that mm -hmm. sometimes gets a little bit messy. So you said that, um, let me just say, you said that we, that you can talk to your co-workers. Is that yes. always an option if there's so little social workers who are of color or black? It's very important to make sure that you seek out those who are similar to yourselves who are black because, um, and, and stay connected. We're so mm -hmm. far and few in between, especially on Long Island. On Long Island, Suffolk County, it's very far and few in between because most mm -hmm. social workers who are black like to migrate toward the city where there's more black social workers, there's, there's more support, there's more, you know, camaraderie. So, right. you know, being on this side of the island, I, I work in Suffolk County, there's very few. So when you find right. someone who's a black social mm -hmm. worker, you connect and you stay connected. It's not right. always an option in your workplace, but it's an option in your profession. Oh, I see. Okay. I know for me, um, the, I was told when training and counseling and everything, they said always, you have to have a therapist. And I've learned Absolutely. that it really mm -hmm. is nece necessary because, mm -hmm. you, you, I, you know, being a survivor myself, I get triggered. So I know that when mm -hmm. I'm triggered by my clients, I have a, a safe place to go to kind of relieve that mm -hmm. trigger. That's really important. Okay, great. Tasha, how does it feel to be a woman of color working in a predominantly white profession? This is a challenge. Um, for me, it, is, it goes back to what Mary said, that self-awareness, but then also mm -hmm. that personal accountability, right? Um, right. A lot of times, uh, because even the university I work for is predominantly white. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of times, um, depending on what their need is of me, they view me as the token black woman or right. they're viewing me as- let's, oh, let's get real with that. Yes, that's right. For you know, or, or <laughs> oh, this is the social worker. And so a lot of times they'll, they will subconsciously place an oppressed mindset on me because right. I am the black woman who just happens right. to be the social worker in our office. And so right. um, it's often either minimized or celebrated when it's convenient. And so right. that self-awareness to not um, compartmentalize myself is very important. Like, you know, who I am, the full picture is, is what mm -hmm. you're going to get. Like, don't separate my identity, you know, right. for your benefit. And so um, that's where also that personal accountability is, because I have a lot of people that I work with who are open and candid with saying they come from homogenistic backgrounds. So basically, they don't want to deal with someone who doesn't look like them, right? Um, or they, they would use words to say we're difficult or we're aggressive. And so then they try yeah. to push those people on me, right? And so um, it, it's really that right. balance. And so for me, it's reinforcing boundaries within the um, the workspace and then right. within the profession to say, you know what, I yes. earned my seat here just like you did. Yes. And it wasn't the race card right. that got me here. It was my expertise and my skills. <laughs> you know? So right. kind of exactly, exactly. Of, you know, that I had to work hard to get where I am just like you did. So um yeah. And when you said, you know, about the therapist, that's important. That's what helps me to stay sane, honestly, when dealing with that mm -hmm. every day and making sure that I'm not inherently taking on the vicarious trauma because 
the work that right. I'm doing right now is also my lived experience. And so a lot of times that's right. where that that's oppression true. mindset comes in from my colleagues where it's kind of like, well, you know how this feels because you've lived through it. And I'm like, but we should right. all know how to connect with people, whether it's a lived experience or not. Okay. Do you often forget that you're a leader at some time, at some point? Because yes. you know you guys are leaders, right? Both of you. You know you're leaders. You often forget that you're a leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. it's because in my workspace, they don't see the value in my role until it's a crisis, you know? Um, and then that's when they're like, oh, wait, that's you're true. equipped. You can that's handle true. it as the leader. You can be in the forefront. Yeah. But when it comes to other things, yeah. it's kind of like, no, we need you to take the back seat. But it's like, yeah. At the end of the day, and do you find you're taking the back seat? Is it is it solving a problem when you take in the back seat? They don't want you to solve the problem because they know you don't have the answer. Why do they want you to take the back seat? Because they don't want the attention that comes with it. Because I know how to solve a problem. Um, so the hierarchy. Ah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> the hierarchy good. is because they're like C level, right? In my office, who I report to okay. is like a PP. So right. they're like the attention needs to be on me. The focus needs to be on me, not the social right. worker, but it's like, I'm the one that, right. as I consider the heartbeat of our office, because if I'm not there, they don't yeah. know how to function. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you get, when you're, when you're off, are you off? Oh yes. Um, okay. <laughs> and that is something that <laughs> I, I've learned how to do initially, uh, because they, sh they wrestle okay. with boundaries in my space and I'm like, I'm honoring my leave. Mm -hmm. And, um, at the previous yeah. institution, because I didn't know how to turn myself off, to be quite honest, it landed me on bed rest <laughs> where I had no choice, but to uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 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 And yeah. so yeah. that whole, you know, superwoman overworking and, and undercompensated was a no thing, no longer a thing for me. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, you know what? Yeah. I have leave like that's in the garbage. Else. That's in the garbage. Yeah. Going to reclaim my time yeah. and going to respect yeah. it. <laughs> Mary, what do you what do you do about this? Yeah. Mary, so how do you deal with, you know, um, boundaries in your your position you're in? Boundaries is definitely an issue. Um, if you don't make firm boundaries, I keep firm boundaries. Um, if I'm off, I'm off. If I'm on break, I'm on break. I don't answer. I don't say I'm going to mm -hmm. check it. I don't even have the work email on my personal phone. There's no way, no how. If I'm out sick, yeah. I'm out sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yes. then there's also, the there's also the, yeah, and there, there's also the, the thing of knowing your worth. Knowing your worth, knowing your skill, recognizing who you are and who you will always be. Yeah. Never losing yourself in an institution. Um, I feel that many times I am the token. I am the only one in the whole entire psychological building. Um, and I mm -hmm. service all the black and brown students. Every time there's a crisis with one, it's Mary, Mary, Mary. We all have the same role. We all have the same degree. We have the same license. Whether you have LMSW or LCSW, we can do the same thing. So why can't they service our people? Why do they right. need to make a specialty to service our people? Right. We don't speak I English. That's you my know? question. You know, why, why, does it have that. To be, why does it have to be a specialty? I don't like the fact that at times I feel like they're exploiting us through those specialized mm -hmm. um, focuses. It's a way mm -hmm. of making you feel important but also hiding behind the guise of, yeah. I'm going to give you a special title. We're going to write this grant. We're going to put you on forefront because we don't want to be bothered with none of you. There you and go. That's, and we don't want to be bothered that's with none of you. We don't want right? to have to yeah. deal with this. We don't want to have to go. change out of our comfort zone. We're no longer, we, we don't yeah. want to change. We don't want to be accepted. We want to put one of y'all up front and we want you to do it. But at the end of the day, they're the ones who's mm -hmm. getting all the pat on the back by having a more increased flow of black and brown students, you know, coming for services. They're the ones yeah. who get all of the hurrahs, but it's really us who are in the background yeah. doing the job and pulling yeah. them in. So a lot of time I feel exploited. And it's one of the reasons why I'm yeah. always in question of 
should I stay in this institution or should I stay in my private practice and do a different type of service? You're always on, it's always in the back of your head and you're always careful. Be like, no, 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 I'm mm-hmm. not doing that. You can do that. Let somebody else do it. And it's not that I'm saying and I think no that to help it. From, I think mm-hmm. that comes from the tokenism. I think that Absolutely. comes from that and Absolutely. not being, and being exploited. And you like, okay, because I get a lot of clients who are, they're great at what they do at their job. But I always tell them when you are doing it so good, you can do it with your eyes closed, it's time to go. <laughs> it's time to do your thing and because you're doing it with your eyes closed and you're, mm-hmm. you're literally being there. You know, I found, and I'm not a social worker, and this is a social worker thing. I found in my career that they use you for what you know. And they get to a point where they use you up and then, okay, I've got enough of that. Let me go to someone else. And they'll get someone to replace you before you know it. How do you deal with supervision like that? How do you deal with that? Like, I know it may not be right now, but in the past, how do you deal with microaggressions from your supervisor? I call them on it. I know my worth. At the end of the day. My license, my insurance on my profession, my skill, that's all mine. I didn't get my NPI number under them. I got it under my name. So at the end of the day, it's all mine. If I have to tell you and check you, because see, if I let you walk on me, you're going to walk on my clients. It's going to be passed down. I'm I'm the gatekeeper. That's a good one. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. a keeper of, of, of the gate that's called your mental health. You know, yeah. if I allow them to talk to me that way, they're going to treat everybody like me who comes to that door that way. And I'm not yeah. going to. You can tell yeah. me to leave. That's fine. You know, yeah. I'll take everything that I bought with me, but I will check mm-hmm. you because I will let you know yeah. that at the end of the day, everything I bought here is mine and it can go with me. You can't take that from me. That's good. Tasha, what do you say? Yeah, I'm very direct. So I'm known as the sharpshooter in our office. Like, I'll just say what I mean (laughs) and hold no cards. Um, But one thing that I do in any space that I'm in, I don't get too comfortable. So like, if you look at my office, you wouldn't even know that I exist in there because I treat every day as if, hey, things could change, you know, (laughs) and they could change when I want them to change. Very true. Very true. So, you know, I like the concept. Yeah, like, you know, it it is what it is. And I feel like this, if I can't advocate for myself, then I'm not advocating for my clients, right? And so I have to be assertive at all times. I have to call them on their stuff at all times without regrets. Because at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. like Mary said, you are the gatekeeper. And whether they want to acknowledge it or not, from an institutional level, they know what it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course they do. I want to say that social workers, I want anyone that's a gatekeeper is really pioneering. And that's how I look at it. When you're in an institution where there's systemic racism and you have to have all your resilience, you have to have all your power and all your might to fight, to change that dynamic, you're like Rosa Parks, you're like Moses, you know, you're doing things and we don't think of ourselves as those type of pioneers. We, you know, we're, we're doing it. Yeah, no, no, no. You celebrate that you're doing it. You know, and that's what I think about social work. When I meet someone black or of color, I'm like rah rah because I know about the system and racism is really so. It was built on it was built on on racism so it's it's not going to change you know it, it really isn't you're the one who's going to have to be the gatekeeper to make sure your gate gets everybody through you know everybody through that you need to, to work with so I, I i applaud you you women very much so i wish i had a, a male social worker on here that'd be like ideal soon <laughs> soon so um the next question we have for you both is um what efforts have been made have been made if any by senior leadership to understand what black mental health professionals experience 
at your place of employment or your space that you're in. Either way, take it. <laughs> See everybody looking. Anyone can take it. So, go ahead. You got this one. <laughs> They're not existent. Um, I mean, in a nutshell. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's sad because, again, they're looking at us for face card value, right? And it's kind of like, um, oh, I like that word, face card. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like we're supposed to take it because historically that's just how it's been, right? Nope, you're good. It's what do you mean that you're feeling burnt out? What do you mean that you're feeling overwhelmed? That's not supposed to be in your vocabulary. Right. You know, um, what do you mean right. that you're tired? What What do you mean that you're overextending yourself and your time and, and all of that? You know, that's not a thing. You know, that's how they feel. Like, for example, this is our month and it wasn't even celebrated. It wasn't even acknowledged. <laughs> I think there's so much space that they they want to feel not guilty, but they don't want to learn the culture or of learn about us of us so i think that it's a lot of that that goes on yeah mary what do you think why why should they why should they learn about us you know if they learn about us then they have to accept what has been done to us and what is being done to us they have to accept the responsibility they have to take responsibility they have to make change but if i'm comfortable in my cocoon i'm not going to step out i'm not going to step out and learn about you I don't even get asked much about how I'm doing at my job. <laughs> they avoid sad. me. They move me from the front of the building to the back of the building That's in the terrible. corner. Give me a terrible. big office under the guys that, you know, we're going to give you a bigger office. No, y'all wanted to move me away from y'all. That's what y'all wanted to do. Yeah. You know, um, so were we celebrated? Um, we were celebrated as social workers, but that was pizza. You know, and, and they didn't even, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah. So, you know, pizza, you know, so I'm like, okay, I can buy my own pizza. You know, I can buy my own pizza. Right, um, right. In my university, it's under the guise of um, the DEI, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Department. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has its limits. It has right. its limits of what they can do because it's just right. like Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter became Black, uh, Blue Lives Matter becomes All Lives Matter, became oh, yeah. LGBTQ Lives Matter. So everything that includes us gets evolved to something else. And then they put it under the umbrella of, oh, we doing it because no, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Count me in when it has to do with us. You know, don't say you're going to celebrate me, but then put me in the group with everyone else like i'm gonna feel okay about that because we're unique you mm-hmm. know um our culture is unique you know we're different we've mm-hmm. always been treated different so why can't we be celebrated different right why can't we what be is- taken care of different they don't they don't ask mm-hmm. what does this do to your mental though all of this it's great that we're talking about it but let's to, to, to get to the real crux of it because I've experienced it in my 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 career and I've I literally was going to the doctor I, I was in depression and I was I was a mess I was a mess what does it do to you as a person to know that the system failed some people it makes you it makes you depressed. It makes you obese it'll make you sick it'll make you high blood pressure it it social work not just black social workers, but social work is top five of the most depression, the most depressing and mentally strenuous jobs. So being mm-hmm. black social worker is even worse because you're mm-hmm. fighting an institution that is not created for you and your people. Oh, you're yeah. part, you're part of the crime. You're basically part of the crime trying to fight the inside, you know, from the inside out. And it will wear you down if you let it. Time and time again, I've been sick. You know, I've been home flat on my bed and like, I can't move. And then I'm like, what am I doing? You know, no, Mm -hmm. no, no, we're going to get up. We're going to dust it off. We're going to get it together. We're going to go for a walk and work on yourself. We have to constantly work on who we are, assess who we are. If a friend says, you know what? You look big today. You got to take note. Don't get offended. Mm 
Right. You know, because you got to accept that help. You got to accept it when it's getting too much and know when mm -hmm. to stop. And also mm -hmm. not be guilty when you're ready to step out and right. say, you know what, I'm not going to do this job no more because this job, we have a job to do as social mm -hmm. workers. But when we get to the point that we have to have somebody else come in and take them to a higher level, we have to know when to step out and save ourselves. Yeah. Because okay. there's no special? use in me having, there, there's no use in me having all this and Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what actually the point of where I am right now. I'm at that crossroad, like it's time for something else. I gotta take a pivot somewhere because um <laughs> not a pivot, a whole shift, girl, a whole shift. Right, a whole shift, you know, and it's like um, yeah, constantly being sick, constantly being worn down, not having energy for the other things that are important to me and prioritizing those things. And so um it was just a lot. And I think for me, honestly, what really did it for me is when I had got COVID and the mm -hmm. fact that the space that I'm in, they thought I was lying. They thought I was lying. Girl, yeah. I know that's the truth. Girl, I know it's the truth. They thought I was lying. <laughs> and I'm like, who's going to lie? about? And it was just because they didn't know how to function without me. They're not going to tell me yep. that I'm an asset, yep. but they over here scrambling, right? And right. so I was like, huh, okay. The fact that my health didn't matter to you all lets me know that me as a person, me in this profession, that I don't matter to you all, you know? And so mm -hmm. it, it really does put a damper on your mental health. It really makes mm -hmm. you become resentful to the profession sure. if you allow it to, right? Oh, and so absolutely. for me, it got to the part where I've reached the cap of the ceiling and I'm like, yeah. I'm not happy anymore. I don't want to yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. It gets it's like that. Do something yeah. else. And, you know, and realizing that I could still be there for my people, but just in the yep. new capacity and new know that capacity. it's okay. Yeah. Because the well has ran out here in, in this room. <laughs> in this yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, Tasha, what age did you start social work? Oh, um, <laughs> I want to say. In your 20s? Yeah, yeah. So it's been mm -hmm. over like 14 years. Um, Mary, what age did you start social work? In your 20s? 26. Okay. Do you think it's because, you know, medically people who are in their twenties are still developing brain power, <laughs> you know, is that because I see when I was working with an agency, I saw that the young, they would get young people right out of school, right out of college. Right. Do you think, because a lot of them were on medication, and I was like, wait, what is going on here? I thought you were supposed to be helping with the medication. Do you think that, that that's too soon possibly to be getting into a field that's working with someone else that has trauma or issues like that in your own experience, Tasha? Yes. Um, so as soon as we got out, like that was the agenda through our whole program. They were pushing us to... You know, like other people wanted to be more on a macro level and they were like, no, right. no, no, you know, um, yeah. be a therapist, be a clinician, deal with people like, and they were really pushing through the following categories, uh, domestic mm -hmm. violence or drugs and addiction. That that was yeah. the agenda. Yeah. And I noticed that a lot of people that completed the program with me are no longer in the field at all. Um, wow. Yeah, um, it, it's like a few of us that are left. The few of us that are the no limit soldiers, but everybody else was like, I can't do this. Um, they went towards education. They went towards yeah. federal government. They were just like, I had mm -hmm. enough. And, yeah. you know, when you really push that on early and or here's another thing in our program, they're telling people it's OK to accept the bare minimum when it comes to the salary oh yes i'm like no we're not first of all you can't even pay your to what your to your past tuition right or or whatever you can't pay your, your student loans with mm -hmm. bare minimum right i'm <laughs> telling you and they thought so you come in already with the limited mindset of these people mm -hmm. whose minds are so easily shaped <laughs> right because in your early 20s and they're like yes yeah, okay grab the crumbs that's enough no to the point that people don't even know how to table and do a counter offer and, it, and it's sad and I'm like we just weren't oh, ready and then if you really want us to be more prepared be intentional with where you place this for our field practicum gotcha oh that's good that's really good all right, Tasha, you know, you told it all, but Mary, I'm sure.
Shared the whole mouthful right now. <laughs> Tell it, Mary. Um, <laughs> I, I, I totally, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, they pulled out all stops when it came to making sure that we understood that we was going to be underpaid. Um, they even pulled out the um student forgiveness loan. Are you kidding me? And really? then they had tricks with the student forgive student forgiveness loan. If you wanted your loan to be forgiven, you had to work ten years, and you had to take whatever in a nonprofit. Like and nonprofit like does not pay. Months. Right, a nonprofit does not pay, and then they want you to be overtime. No. Then they want you to be on call. Then they want all these extra things. So you end up getting a job that doesn't even equal what you owe in student loans. And then you got most social workers get burned out. They got two or three jobs. I'm guilty. You know, you got two or three jobs. You always have to have a side job. You gotta have one to pay your bills and the other one to catch your bills. You know, oh you'll never Goodness. have a savings. You walk, you're walking out at 32,000 when you're in um residential program, 38,000 is your cap. When you're in the, um, when when you're in the schools, 40 is your cap. Then you when you're in hospitals, 55 is your cap. When you're in outpatient, your cap is 50. You know, I know I've been there all that. I done made a full circle. My only last place to work was a university. You know, and then <laughs> then they want to offer you if you're LMSW, they want to offer you like $30 an hour to do counseling services and then have you pay fees. So <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you are always. It, to be a black social worker is always to understand impoverished, being impoverished, being always oppressed. And you're oppressed because you did all this education, right. all this training to, to help treat people who are oppressed, but you yourself are oppressed institutionally and financially. There's a financial, there's an institutional, there's an emotional um, um, depression that you go through as a social worker. And people don't understand that. Like, mm -hmm. and they'll come in and they're asking you to help them. And they're cursing you out and they're doing this. And then you have the clients doing it. And then you have your overhead doing it. Then you have the other people coming to you saying you're not doing your job. And you're like, wait a minute. Do you understand my job? Mm -mm. Do you understand mm -mm. what my paycheck look like? Not one that's doing it right. No, no, you, they don't understand that. So understand ladies, ladies. So let's say you all take a pivot. Okay, you take a pivot. I'm gonna give you a little pivot. Not to shift. I'm give, what's the solution for our people to get the same services under your tutelage, under your own, let's say, with your, with your, with your um, name flagging out on your, on your property, you know, your own business? How do, how do you get there? Because that, that may be the answer to all this kind of systemic racism. How do we get there? Okay. Tasha, you want to take it? <laughs> Look at Tasha. Tasha, you want to go first or it. you want me to catch this one first? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> first of all, <laughs> I'm um, also, um, my, my other realm, what you guys don't know, is I do do a professorship as well. So what I can say is we are not educated as a people to band together to fight the institution. The institution is made not for us. It's made against us. It's just like being a diabetic diabetic crisis pale skin bluing sweating oh when did you ever see me get pale can you get pale my chopper don't go pale so you can't tell if i'm in a crisis because it wasn't made for me you can't tell it wasn't made for me so the institution was not made for us it was made against us but throughout right. history as black people we were never taught we was always ripped apart sold put here thrown there so we don't know to band together and make institutions of our own and keep it and mm -hmm. all shine together. Mm -hmm. yes, if we right. got together and made an institution, if we got together and said, listen, yeah. we're gonna get together and have an all black institution. We're gonna have an all black right. outpatient right. clinic, just like the Jewish have their clinic, just like the Hispanic societies have their clinic, just like the African side, they have mm -hmm. their clinic. We black Americans need our own clinic. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly, yeah. We need our in own every institution state. for ourselves. Yes. yes, for yes, us, by state. us, FUBU, you know, for okay. us, Okay, yes. You know, because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because we don't have to question about, you know, how we treat this. We don't have to say this person coming in being loud as an angry black woman. No, she's one of 12. She got to talk loud so she can be heard. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. right. so if we were, that's, that's one of my goals is to create one. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's and what it starts with. It starts with you guys. It starts with yeah, you all like stepping pandemic. out and doing what you're supposed to do. That's right. Mm-hmm. And let it spread like the pandemic. Because mm-hmm. we can, we have to inform ourselves. We trust each other. When we walk into a room, we look to see where the next black person is. Exactly. Always. And are they <laughs> All the time. All the time. Even at 7-Eleven, you be looking. And all they eat, the if they're in the yes. food is safe, you know, you're looking around to see where you're from, where someone like you is. That's how you can Come tell on. if you're welcome. And and if we don't start, like we got black churches, yeah, okay. But we need other things. Yes. Right. Our head starts to leave our 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 um, neighborhoods. We've allowed banks. That, I live in a, a neighborhood. Horn don't have a bank. We have to go outside to a bank. We got to go outside to medical. We have to go outside to even a head start. Our institution is not mm-hmm. even a neighborhood. We got to bring right. all that back. We got to recreate Black Wall Street, starting small with just our mental and physical health because mm-hmm. we're right. unhealthy. Right. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to stop yeah. talking. Tasha, I know you got some. <laughs> you know, that's why I was like, hmm. Mary said it very well because I was like, oof. Like, I love our people, but then I'm also tired yeah. of our people because yeah. a lot of us are so comfortable with being divided. It, it just doesn't make sense, right? We have so many gems. If we were to band together, like, we would be a force. And, you know, there's always this competition. Or churches. Right. You know, it's always so mm-hmm. so much competition. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Because we all are going after the same goal. Why not work collectively? Right. Because we always quick to yeah. talk about collaboration yeah. and things like that, but then there's no action mm-hmm. or effort to it. And so I think about it like if we all see the same problem, we mm-hmm. are the solution. Right. Because yeah. it's like one person here advocating, one person there advocating. Let's just come together. And there is no yeah. competition because when one of us win, right. we all win. That is the yep. goal. And so it's like, you know, we sit up there the same way we, oh, okay, you cool, you, all right, because then you got a few that look like us, but they just so far removed, and you're kind of like, do you know who you see in the mirror? You know, one of those things, like, you just, you're so tired of fighting that you don't even, you know, want to challenge the status quo when it's like, no, we don't need you. We need the people that, (laughs) that are on board, that really want to see the change. And so it, it's just so difficult because there's so much energy people put in with getting these LLCs at the start of the pandemic. Where is that energy to really have sustainable change, right? Because a lot of people just thought it was the easy way out and yeah. then didn't realize all these taxes you got to yeah. pay every year yeah. once you get the yeah. LLC. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just let it yeah. fizzle out. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's great to have an idea, but make sure that the idea is um, innovative change. Sustainable. Right? You know, and, and it's like, you can't just have something so minor without impacting the major. And so I think that's the part that yeah. we really have to get into that educational piece. Why is this a problem? Why does it bother us? Yeah. How can we have right. a tangible solution to change this? Because yeah. after a while, if it's going to be the same that it's always been, then unfortunately, it's going to be less of us in this profession because we're all burnt mm-hmm. out, tapped out, overwhelmed, right. and don't want right. nothing to do. Girl, I think sometimes they, they plan it that way. Okay. <laughs> I think they plan it that way. I think it's 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 a notion that it's in their the little notes that they have. Well, if we have this many, we'll get the, the funding from here, but then eventually they're gonna get worn out and then we'll have all the funding for this. I think it's all about the play of the funding. I really do. And when you talk about, both of you talking about generational things, that's all I teach is about generational traumas. Generationally, and I say it's it's the house nigga versus the, the, the nigga in the field. That's all it is. It, that's all it is. And when I see people act like that, oh, that's a house one. Oh, that's a field one. You know, <laughs> you know it's, more com- it's no camaraderie. When you meet people who you have a camaraderie with, you know you've been in the field with them, right? The ones in the house are very far and very few that they don't like, they don't, they'll talk to you like you're, like you're, they're not the same color as you. They'll talk to you like that. So what I see in the both of you is, is, is like a, you know, I don't know if it's a camaraderie or not, but it could be a collective thought. 
and you just putting you guys just putting it out in the universe is 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 monumental. But I think you both are ready to pivot, and I don't think it's a pivot. I think it's a whole shift. <laughs> I think it's a whole shift and shifting just to make it. You know, I know there's a bunch of things that you guys got to do. You know, you have think about this as an entrepreneur. I know you need your own insurance. You need certifications. You got them. So you're sitting there as a whole business in somebody else's business. Think about that. You know, you're a whole business inside inside of somebody else's business. So it's very, um, it's 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 um, encouraging to me to see young women, young and black women, you know, really wanting to change the system. But I, you know, I tell everybody, you can't change a lie. Nothing you can do with that. You can't change a lie. The system lied to us. It was set up for another reason and that it's not for us. So you can't change that. All you can do is now I'm going to do something to micromanage myself so I can be, you know, the solution in whatever area you're in. Now, I know we're going to wrap it up, but I want both of you to share where you are in case you guys pivot so that my audience can find you and reach out for your services, you know, you know, what, what you got on a horizon, what your thoughts are, whatever it is, you know, share with the, with the audience so that, you know, and your area, especially so that they know, okay, I know there's a social worker over here that can give them that support. So, um, you know, share that with them. You can start, uh, you can start. Okay. So, um, my area that I'm in, I'm in quorum and I am already pivoting. Um, I already, I already started MRH counseling. So I am MRH counseling, um, at one time cornerstone, but when my clients do look for me, they will find me because they will forward. Um, my Google voice number is 475-422-5649 or, um, mrhcounseling at gmail.com. Um, I do do private counseling and I also do mobile. So there are times where I meet the person where they're at. A lot of people um, in our culture have a taboo about going into an institution. So, hey, if you want to meet me in Applebee's or, or we're going to go to the park and sit down and talk, or I'm going to your house and sit on your porch and we're going to talk. That's what I do. And I have already pivoted out of my job. I'm just waiting to time up. <laughs> that's wonderful that's wonderful and it, it, are, are, what about insurance like if, if I have insurance I want to come see you how does that work so I do take Fidelis I take Aetna I take Blue Cross Blue Shield Cigna um, Oxford United Health Oscar Care so okay. I'm on a few panels. I'm, I'm panels. I'm on a few panels. So um, I'm a little bit further than most people know. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's good. Tasha. So I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and I am in the early stages of pivoting. But um, okay. right now, what I'm working on, um, coming out in May, I'm going to have a call for um, a publication actually tailored to black <laughs> women social workers in um okay. spaces so that requires you know higher education and other spaces that most people wouldn't recognize us in and it's actually giving amplifying our voices so mary i'll be reaching out to you um <laughs> to submit like a chapter um to really amplify our voices <laughs> of, um you know, because it's needed, right? To like also let people know like our humanity, but then also serve as um, a source of empowerment and letting them know that it's okay if this is yeah. no longer for you and you've reached that glass ceiling and you just want to move on. So um, that's what I'm working yeah. on. I'm more on the scholarly aspect of that of because outside of this, I am an author. Um, I have four books. One is on the campus of Johnson C. Smith University um, for the social okay. work department. So um, I'm more kind of tailoring to that and I also do group coaching so um ways for people to contact me my email is lifewithtashaw at gmail.com and then my website is www.lifewithtashaw.com wonderful so we should be looking at me and my audience should be seeing you guys around somewhere you know we yeah. should be able to google you hey pop it right on up 
So, yeah. you know, um, last and final things before we ask if there's any questions in the audience. Um, what could you tell other social workers? Tasha, start with you first. What could you tell other social workers that have reached the glass ceiling and what they should do? Or just give some words of encouragement. Yeah, um, trust your instinct. Um, if you feel like where you are is limiting who you are, then it's time to make that shift. And it's okay to be open and willing to shift. Um, a lot of times we get comfortable and complacent based on what we've been taught. So unlearn that and figure out what is mutually beneficial for you. Yes, we are called to serve everybody else, but you can't forget yourself in that process either. If you're mm -hmm. no good, then the clients you're serving are no good. Yeah, good. Thank you, Tosh. Thank you so much. Mary. I would say remember yourself. Always remember yourself and remember what you're worth. And if you feel or you know, something is giving you a sign that it's time to go, don't feel guilty that you're losing or, or you're leaving those clients or that agency because you're leaving for a better cause. You can do better and more good somewhere else when you're in a better mental, spiritual, physical place than if you sit there and just lose yourself. Because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, they're not gonna think about you. If you're in a hospital and your time runs out, they're gonna replace you you are replaceable. So it's always, you know, putting yourself first and putting your goals first because we get burned mm -hmm. out quickly and we forget what we're in here for. We forget what mm -hmm. our cause was, what our process mm -hmm. was. So yes, definitely. Okay. Well, we thank you both for being here today. This has been a great conversation, great things that we've learned along the way. And I'm Excited to hear about this group that Tasha has. And I hope that you all connect with each other because the more support one of we, each of us have as women. And, and you know, um, I always tell everybody when I'm telling them information, giving them information, they were like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was like, whoa, what good is it that I'm gonna die and have all this information and not help a soul? So that's what we're here. We're here to, to, to relate you know, and get into relationships and relate. So I'm glad that you all were here. Thank you so much. And now we'll just leave a little space if there's someone wants to um, ask a question, they're open to ask questions. I see Dorothy's on and a couple more. So Dorothy, would you like to ask a question to any of the panelists? Let me see you on mute. Dorothy, uh, you're on mute. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Mm, mm. Let me see. <laughs> see, what can I ask the ladies? <laughs> um, like if someone wanted to, um, what nugget would you give if someone was to pursue a career in being a social worker? What's a good nugget? Like, um, how would you go about it? I would say do your research. Um, the best tool for anything is knowledge. Knowledge is power. So do your research to really look at the profession as a whole um, and how it would be beneficial for you as a Black woman. Um, look at the schools to see what school you feel like would be most supportive in who you are and not wanting you to compromise that. Um, because it does matter which institution that you do go to um, when it comes to the coursework and the foundational work and things like that. But really do your research to see if it's something that you want in the moment or if it's something that you want long-term. Okay. Okay, thank you. Mary, is that good? Yep. Um, yes, I totally agree um, with Tasha. And we should always know that you know, this profession is always changing. You might start off in one place and go through many other, many different facets when it comes to social work until you find where you belong. And when you find where you belong, you'll know. Okay. You'll know. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Okay. Dorothy, um, I'm going to, if you would um, put your email in, in the chat if you want and want one of the ladies to give you, uh, you know, contact them or stay in touch with them on any decision that you wanna make, that would be beautiful. I'm sure they're open to, to help you. I'm not a social worker, I'm a host. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, put it in the, it's her email. Dorothy Wilson's email is in the um chat. Shoot her a note. She, you know, shoot her a note. Everyone, you know, and keep her on 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 task with Tasha with your group. Keep her on on task with that. And Mary, you know, the same thing. You know, um, because it is a big decision. You want to talk to someone that really knows. Right. Um, and I knew I wasn't a social worker because I talked too much junk. <laughs> Oh boy. I told too much junk. So I would be like, hurry up. Do what you gotta do. I'll be no. Um so I know my place. So <laughs> thankfully we have beautiful women like this and other other black women that really are doing a wonderful job everywhere. And I'm so glad there's two different areas. Um I always wanted to go to Baltimore, Maryland and kind of figure out what's going on down there. You know, I haven't been there yet. And and I often pass it. And it's like so easy to pass. <laughs> so, but you know, I will be down there soon. But let's all keep in touch, everyone, and and support the cause. And I can't wait to see the pivots and the the um the um what do you call it? Not the, the not the pivots. The what do we call it? The one you was gonna do, uh, Tasha. Whatever you're gonna do. What you're gonna? I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see any of the work. And um. Dorothy, if you're thinking about this, please keep in touch with these two ladies, all right? Where are you from, Dorothy? Where are you from? I'm from the um, Eastern Shore of Maryland, on the oh, other yeah. side of the Bay Bridge. Oh, well, there you go over there, mm -hmm. Tasha, right here. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You, I mean, you can keep in touch with both of them via Zoom or email, but Tasha's yes. right there, right yes. there. I mean. Okay. You could travel a little bit. Y'all can travel yeah. to me and, and, you know, and learn about what you really, you know, would like to do and how you want to do it. Because listen, everybody can preach. It don't take us being on the podium to do it. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's that we can do it anywhere we want, you know. So, mm -hmm. you know, think about that for yourself. All okay. right. I well, will. Well, ladies, I really appreciate you all being here. And I hope to see you all again. But right now, this is the end of our show. Thank you so much for being here. And we're going to say goodbye for now, everyone.